The following podcast is work safe. We talk games. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special Halloweeny bubble. My name is Titty Scootkins. I'll be hosting today because Wiggly had his teeth knocked out. No, extracted. TT extracted. On the mic, Wiggly. Yep. On the line, Johnny Capcom. Salutations. And joining us for the first time, Ken Dudley. Hey, it's great to be here. Now it is official. There are now more We Talk Games correspondents than there are subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's kick off our special spooky. Halloween type titles with Johnny Capcom. One of the reasons I wanted to talk about uh, games and stuff, obviously, with Halloween is just because there seems to be certain games I break out myself during Halloween that I wouldn't necessarily break out during the year. And uh, there's a difference between both uh, types of games. There's uh, games with horror kind of tropes and the trappings of like horror cinema or horror fiction or whatever, and then there's games that actually scare the crap out of me. Uh-huh. And, um, the uh, I, I like this. I started easy uh, this year, though. Uh, uh-huh. with, uh, we- <laughs> with Luigi's Mansion, um. kind of got into it recently. Quick game, it's about six hours long, but uh, it re- it has that kind of Halloween cartoon kind of Scooby Doo type feel to it, mm-hmm. where it's definitely set in that kind of traditional horror look. You know, you're in a big spook house and stuff. You're running around hoovering up ghosts. So, I mean, like, if you wanted a game that was a cross between, say, Ghostbusters and a House on Haunted Hill and I'm trying to think of another, of like, a movie where someone's searching for her lost brother. It was just say Kill Bill. All those movies all rolled into one with Luigi and uh, Professor Egad with the weird little Hoover and stuff. It's just, it's a really fun little game. Really nice little atmosphere. And if you want to get that kind of awesome kind of plastic gimmicky Halloween feeling that I love anyway, then this is a game that I'd, I'd recommend, you know, kicking off your Halloween season with. That's probably one of the best games for the GameCube, I think, and that was the first one in the States. How about in uh, Ireland? Uh, that and Rogue Squadron, I think, were the first two. Wow. So, How about, like, Wave Racer? Uh, maybe. I can't be sure. I remember the two of them made me want the GameCube. That's a, that's all I really remember, you know, about that whole launch system. Like, you know, I couldn't have given a crap about anything else. That fan division and stuff like that. <laughs> Fantavision. That, that was like a PlayStation 2 uh, big big deal. Yeah, we yeah. We have Fantavision! <laughs> I couldn't get... I was just like, does it come with Fanta? You know, uh, at the end of it, is it like, are you doing like springtime for Hitler due to Fanta's uh, right. Nazi origins? Yes. You know, it's, uh-huh. it's a lot of questions. Uh-huh. Did you like Ghostbusters for the Mega Drive? I liked it in some respects, but I didn't like the fact that... Uh, What's his name? Wasn't in it. Very important to me, this guy. I can't remember his name, <laughs> but he was in The Crow and Oz. Uh-huh. Ernie Hudson. But other than that, great little platformer, you know? Uh-huh. Do you have another one? I do indeed. Um, obviously, it's been noted that uh, I've been a fan of the Castlevania series for a long time. In the run-up to uh, recording this particular show, I decided it was about time I sat down and for the first time properly ever played Symphony of the Night. Oh. Uh, yeah, um, I played it a little bit every, you know, here and there. What too. did you play this for? The PS1 or the... the uh, PSP. Oh, the PSP version, the, okay. Got the Dracula X Chronicles, you know, with right, the right. weird version of Rondo on there. I finally sat down to play it, and I will admit, it's excellent. I didn't get very far before, you know, I got killed a lot but uh you know i'm sure i've provided some entertainment as i travel across country on a bus Mm. uh shouting at my psp because you know i was killed yet again that game to me is another one of these examples of a game that kind of captures the atmosphere and the feeling of the great like kind of it's not quite like a universal movie but it's almost like a 2d hammer horror film platformer or something you know Mm. because of your enemies yeah, yeah, the you know the baroque kind of gothic um, feeling. You know, the, the blood is very uh, vivid and stuff like that. It's just uh, you know just a, a lot of fun. And um, I don't know why it took me so long. I mean, I've owned Dracula X Chronicles for about two years now, mm. 
uh, and I've been sitting on Symphony ever since. I, I feel ashamed for not um, playing it before now, and especially for not owning a PS1 copy. You know, uh, that was one of the few imports that I had to get because it was a special edition with uh, the art book and yeah. a music CD. And uh, in fact, that was one of the first music CDs I ever had for video games. I, I had a TurboGrafx Hudson compilation, but. One of the first big deal ones, I think, was that for the Castlevania. And the music, you're right. I mean, like, it's excellent. It's well, they, the-, <laughs> the funny thing about it is, you know, I expected to stick this music CD in and get this big symphonic arrangement uh, a la Video Games Live or something. But no, it was just straight out of the Game Boy and things like that. So, um, oh, was it like um, like a best of or something? Yeah, it had uh, it had music from all the different games, but instead of re-recording them symphonically, it just had chip tune music and things like this. What, which I guess for that time was kind of unique. They didn't really have a lot of chip tune releases, although they did have video game music releases. Most of them were once the CD era uh, started happening. I've played through uh, Symphony of the Night, but I got it on Xbox Live Arcade. You can get it on there. Pretty cheap nowadays. I only got through until the uh, Upside Down Castle, and then I called it quits. So Now, there's branching pathways on that, though, too, right? Oh, yeah. You can go forward, backward. You can revisit the same area as many times as you want. And Are then there? they connect to each other, and it, it makes it easier to get into further parts of the castle from the beginning and stuff like that. It's a fun mm-hmm. game. One thing that I loved about Rondo of Blood, and uh, John, did you get through that at least once, or? Uh, I haven't beaten it yet, but I'm, okay. uh, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I keep on getting stuck in this bit where I get to the end of one level, but then I get thrown back to uh, a boss from like two stages ago. I see. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. For some reason, I've, I know I've gotten further than that before, but now I'm stuck. <laughs> Every time I go to play, I'm stuck with a freaking Minotaur, you know? <laughs> I really do want to whip him in the face, which thankfully you do get to do. Yes. But, uh, you know. I haven't seen a version for the WiiWare. I just picked it up for you. But yeah. I suppose it's just the full Japanese version. I mean, one of his super moves is Jesus on a crucifix, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, all the dialogue is in Japanese. Right. Uh, all the violence and all that is in there. Like, you know, and certainly when he, uh, yeah, when you get the, um, the, cross. the cross, yeah, he jumps up and he's like crucified and all these other crosses are flying up in the air and hitting everything. It's like, and there's a couple others, like just the Bible thing and mm, all that as well. Right. You know? And all I have the, to say to that is finally, you know, how many years of the Turbo Graphics? Well, it's defunct now for uh, <laughs> as many years as most people are old that listen to the show. But how many years? that I have to put up with the crappy American versions being brought over with everything completely edited out as to not be offensive to I don't know who. Um, Because we weren't really in an environment where those type of things were an issue. So it was kind of weird how they uh, went through and and editorialized their games back in the day. They did that with a lot of the TurboGrafx-16 games. Mm. I mean, I remember playing Splatterhouse and sitting there at one part while music was playing, and I'm standing there going, nothing's going on. And I never knew what it was until years later I heard you talk about what they cut out of it. <laughs> exactly. I had no clue back then. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was a cross on the, on the wall back of, uh, back of them at the, at the church. And they also tamed down some of the splooch uh, sounds in it. So there's the splatter sounds in Splatterhouse weren't as splattery, uh, which is bizarre and there was another part in that game that they also uh, yanked out and it even is such silly things like in JJ and Jeff based on Kato and Ken uh, instead of bending over and farting they're bending over and shooting spray paint out of a can it's brown fart spray paint <laughs> and yet in the same game the poopatross which is a bird leaves these swirly poops that hit, hit you in the head. They leave like dog poops that hit you What's in the head. What's a more dangerous lesson to teach kids, though, right? To fart in your friend's face or to spray toxic paint in his face. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's just uh, the, the, such silly things. And the saddest, I think, is Devil's Crash. Changing a pentagram into something that, that's very similar to a pentagram. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing's called Devil's Crush or Devil's Crash. I mean, it's already got devil in it, and it's got a demon in the middle. Why take out uh, Star David or whatever? You know, silly. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh-huh. Kenneth Dudley. Hey. 
the first game that I'd like to talk about is something that's actually very current. I just played through Costume Quest on Xbox Live Arcade. Hmm. It's an adventure RPG, turn-based fighting. The whole thing is set on Halloween night. You play a, a little kid who's, depending on who you pick, brother or sister, is kidnapped by goblins. And it turns out the goblins have this huge plot to take over the world and steal all the candy on Halloween. And of course, none of the adults you encounter in the game believe you. So you can walk around from house to house and trick or treat. And when you knock on the door, it could be a human and you'll get candy from them. And that's like your currency in the game. Or a goblin could come to the door and then you get into a battle with a goblin. The way the combat works is it's just a turn-based strategy, but when you go into a fight, whatever crappy little homemade costume you're wearing, like if you got like a little robot costume made out of a cardboard box and some tin foil, when you go into the battle, you become what the kid imagines himself looking like in the costume. Yeah, this looks very interesting. The only thing that was keeping me away from it was the price tag, I think. So tell me yeah. more, tell me more. I've got the price tag thing from a lot of people too. I mean, 15 is a bit steep. If it was 8 or 10, I'd be pushing it on people more than I have, really. But um, when you go into the battles, it's almost like a monster movie where you're both like 60 stories tall, you know. Right. And like, you can see the neighborhood in the background and you're out in like a big field battling. And uh, it's just like basic turn-based strategy with some quick time events to dodge the opponent's moves. There's like 10 or 12 different costumes that you can get in the game and you can wear whatever ones you want at any given time. When you're on the overworld map, whatever costume you're wearing has like a little thing you can do with the B button, like the robot. If you hold the B button, it'll make you skate around faster and you can navigate the world quicker than you would before. It's really cute. It's really fun. It's not very long. It took me about seven hours to play through the entire thing and get all the achievements and all the costumes and everything. How many players? It's a single player RPG. You build a party as you go along. So for a time in the game, it's just you. And then it's just you, one other guy. And you pick up more people as they go along. There's no voice acting in it. It's all text. You have to read it all. But there's some funny jokes in there that even me as an adult enjoyed. And there's a lot of nostalgia to it, too. You meet other kids on the street and everybody's collecting these cards, which are essentially garbage pail kids. They're not, but they are. Gotcha. But they're about like weird kinds of candy, like sour feet and stuff like that. And <laughs> when you win battles, you get more cards. And you even got a little binder that you keep your cards in you put your doubles behind them you know and you meet kids in the street and you can trade them cards and stuff and there's all kinds of quests you have to go on like you can't get into somebody's party going on in their backyard unless you're wearing a patriotic outfit so you have to go and find all the pieces to put together a statue of liberty outfit so you can get into the party things like that it's cute it's it's kind of short but it's good short because right when i started getting sick of playing it it went into the end and the end was really good too so it was well worth the 15 dollars for me uh-huh is it like wacky packs the uh do you know what wacky packs are i don't know if these kids know i used to collect garbage pail kids okay. and um there was another one it was class of nukem high but card versions when i was little i used to collect those they're very similar they look exactly like garbage pail kids the ones in the game okay so it's like people that are on the cards or is it just products it's it's candy oh, okay every, every one of them's like a gross candy it's like sour feet and um cake hat or something is like a oh, okay. gross looking hat that has a bite taken out of it Okay, so I'm going to say that they're wacky packs, and then uh, the kids would say that they're garbage pail kids. Is there like an overall boss, or is it just like uh, communist goblins? You know, no, there is. There's like this evil witch that's leading all the goblins, and it's not just goblins. There's there's like three main areas to the game, and it's goblins in the first area, and then you know there's like these big giant blue monsters, and there's a lot of different enemies in it and then there's this one witch you finally get to the witch and it turns out the witch is working for someone else and it all ties into the candy it's really cool that sounds awesome it's really fun uh-huh do you have another one sure i could talk about resident evil 4 very briefly i'm sure it's been played to death by almost everyone but the wii version in particular, if you've got a Wii and it's collecting dust and you've never tried Resident Evil 4 on the Wii, I think you should because they redid the controls. It's a lot of fun with the motion controls, just pointing at things and shooting them on the screen, but still playing the same Resident Evil 4 game that was on the GameCube. 
it's like the definitive version of it too because it's got all the extras that were on the PlayStation 2 version and everything's on like the one Wii disc and that's it's also a very good game to play around Halloween that Where? game actually nearly scared the crap right out of my pants once. <laughs> uh, you know when? You know the first time the chainsaw guy turns up. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I, I I was back, say a good hundred foot away from the guy, spotted him with the sniper rifle. And I just went, <laughs> "You ain't getting nothing." So I uh, whipped out the thing, shot him in the eye. That that didn't do any good. He just ran up and cut Leon in half. I was literally <laughs> just kind of like, I don't know if I want to play this anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Wii version is a, a really good version of it too. It's really easy to control. It's really fun, and like I said, it's got all the extra stuff. So if you play through it a few times, you can unlock like the gangster outfit with like the the tilted pinstripe hat and the long uh, scarf that like hangs down to your knees and the Tommy gun and stuff. It it's really cool. The more times you play through it, the more stuff you get for it. You control your aiming with the Wii mode yourself, don't you? Yeah, you do. That's the only motion control in it, is that you actually have to point where you want to shoot while you're playing. But, I mean, you use the nunchuck, you move around the same way. You just point and shoot for the shooting part of it, rather than using the reticle with the GameCube controllers. <laughs> There's somebody that listens to our show. The yeah, reticle. <laughs> it is, that's what it's called. Okay, okay, yeah. reticle. Yeah, it's a reticle. Hum, wiggly. All right, TT, I'm going to do something a little bit different now. I've talked, I think, about every game that I ever thought was scary or spooky or Halloween-y and things like this, and I'm sure many people are sick of hearing it. First, I think Startling and Shocker games just very quickly. Uh, the original Wolfenstein uh, made me poop when I heard an octung. You know, I'm very focused on just going down this maze, and then the voice just comes out so loud at you that it's like, what? I've also spoken about how I would have friends over and show them Alien vs. Predator for the Jaguar, and we'd all jump at this. Now, I'm sure if you look at it now, you're like, hey, mud, who cares? But at the time, uh, there was nothing as scary, I think, as that Jaguar version of Alien vs. Predator, especially with my surround sound system. But those were just more shockers. They're not necessarily horror-type based. So I'm going to do things that I think are not necessarily horror-based, although they might rotate around things we associate with Halloween. And, of course, I'm going to talk about TurboGrafx, PC Engine things, because I think that's what I know best, and I don't think I've really touched on all these titles so much. And I'm going to start with the Hue cards, and then I'll do the um, CDs when we take another lap around. For the Hue cards, there's not as much for me. I've spoken about Splatterhouse and my love for Splatterhouse on multiple episodes of We Talk Games, so I really won't go into that, and we just uh, touched on it briefly a little bit before. But that's a neat one that stars a Jason-like character. Oh, yeah, the other thing they changed on him was, of course, they changed his white hockey mask to a red hockey mask. Although the big Splatterhouse dude, your dude that you are, he's kind of this muscle-bound Hulk creature, which I don't think you can confuse with Jason. Jason, mm -hmm. Jason's Jason. huge, though. In uh, Friday the 13th, like when Ken Hodder was Jason, mm -hmm. and uh, that guy was freaking massive. Was he a muscle-bound Hulk? Oh, yeah, he was okay. huge. All right, big well, man. He was well, big up the top. Yeah, he's like top heavy, big. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, this new Splatterhouse that's coming out, uh, you know, of course, is going to take it in the third dimension. I talked about this briefly on a previous episode. I don't know how I feel about that. It looks just like another Batman Arkham Asylum Splatterhouse edition with John Cena. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, also, I've talked about it, one that you probably don't want to get, which is Night Creatures, but it's it's a little talked about title. Uh, towards the end of the run of the Turbo Graphics around 1991, 1992, Night Creatures came out, which was a Hue card, and it's pretty stinky as far as graphics go and gameplay. You get bitten by a bat, you go in search of a woman that can help you, and then you watch the Atari Lynx graphics happen, and <laughs> you bash a haunted tree with a golf club, and that's about it. That's your main weapon. I think your weapon's supposed to be an axe, but it looks like a golf club. And you also have like a pipe and other silver things that look like pipes and golf clubs. Those are your attack weapons, and it just controls horribly, and it's Atari Lynx. Uh, one game that I will say is worth getting, although you might pay several thousand dollars for it, I think. Uh, but there's other ways to play this, and it's a shooter. 
I love shooters. I love the turbo graphics. And this was actually released in the United States. And it's a horizontal shooter called Magical Chase. And you're a little witch. You're a cute little witch. So the horror factor, really not in there, but uh, Halloween-y themed, I think we could fit into that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you're a horizontal shooter. You position your star options around your cute little flying witch. Uh, very similar to like a salamander, maybe, or the predecessor to salamander, Gradius. And there are also shops to purchase power-ups. In fact, I think the whole game feels a lot like uh, like a one-player Ordine, if you've ever played Ordine. Uh, that's another fun shooter, but of course not horrific or Halloween-y at all. <laughs> it's parallax scrolling, beautiful, great enemies, great bosses. Some of the enemies are like uh, these weird little people f- flying at you on paper airplanes i think one of the bosses is like a, a walnut with a green afro that comes out of a <laughs> comes out of a tree stump outside and inside backgrounds well-balanced shooter and some very good uh, turbografx 16 chip tunes if that's your thing listening to chip tunes uh, not not a bad soundtrack for that and i think that's pretty much all the cart games that come to my mind immediately i'll, I'll try to think of some more as we go on but that's about it uh-huh what about you, TT? What Halloweeny games do you like? Oh, I don't play video games. I see. That's why. That's why I have you on the show. <laughs> A lot of help there. Why? Johnny Capcom. As far as other stuff I've been playing, uh, I'd like to recommend. I played the Resident Evil remake recently for the GameCube. The thing about that game is, like, the first game is a scary game in some respects. Hmm. Definitely. But it doesn't have any atmosphere. It's bare walls and you know i mean the zombies are great and the whole game is great but they really created the haunted house style classic it, it, it reminds me of like movies like the old dark house with uh Karloff and people like that you know the, the remake those because there's lightning going on and illuminating the room as you walk through it mm-hmm. everything's constructed just to be scary in a traditional sense and then you've got the terror of the crimson head zombies and everything else and it didn't get very far in it i was playing it here on my own and uh, my flatmate went out to he went out to get some groceries or something and i'd only been playing like five minutes but he came back and i was playing something else and he just kind of went you suck and i do <laughs> suck because i'm too much of a wuss to play uh, <laughs> resident evil uh, remake it's a it's a great game and, and like the amount of detail and art involved in creating this new version of a of a classic survival horror game is there and it's just so effective and i've seen the later bosses and the later monsters and stuff like that and uh like uh eliza these are just brilliantly constructed scary things you know Mm. some of our younger listeners might not have ever played the first resident evil but that was uh, pre-rendered environments the rooms are pre-rendered and then your little polygon person would be walking over top these pre-rendered rooms yeah and then you'd like switch camera views you'd have to wait a little while geez i hope my stitches aren't coming out (laughs) uh you switch views and then see your room from another angle and things like this but in the what is it called resident evil one resident evil zero i can't remember it's just called resident evil okay in the gamecube version they went through and all the rooms are generated via polygons yeah and it's I've, new as well. I've never played the remake of it, but I remember the first game on PS1 feeling like very claustrophobic when I played it. Like I was boxed in everywhere that I was. But the dogs always scared, <laughs> scared the heck out of me. That was one of the scariest jumps in any video game, I think. Oh, yeah. The, first, the dog in the hallway. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the remake, they actually, you know, when you're walking down that hallway, mm-hmm. you constantly hear glass cracking and stuff, but they don't actually send the dogs in after you. Because it was so famous, they oh. make you wait and wait and wait and wait. You know? Oh, neat. Yeah, when you get to the end of that hall, then something else happens. Ah, That's pretty well, thanks for ruining that for us. <laughs> uh, whatever. It's really cool like, that they taught it. That They did make it a new game for people who uh, who had beaten and played the other one to death. Like, you know? Okay. Do you have another one? Yeah, the, the last one uh, that I have is... Uh, well, actually, I've got two, but they're both kind of half mentions. First of all is, uh, again, that kind of great kind of horror look, the Halloween look, maybe similar to a Costume Quest game, would be that kind of fun Halloween kind of aesthetic that the Addams Family game had on the Super Nintendo. 
And which one? Adam's Family Values? Adam's Family Values? No, just Adam's Family. Okay. I read an article about it in Retro Gamer, and they had uh, all the shots of the sprites, the little Gomez sprite and stuff like that. And uh, it just... The construction of the levels, the enemies, and Gomez himself, it is a gorgeous looking game. It's a great example of 16-bit art. And it's a great example of just that fun halloween kind of feeling that you get from stuff like that. It's a pity that it controls pretty badly. Like, <laughs> uh, it's got the loosest freaking jumps you've ever seen. And uh, you're trying to beat a boss that's like at the top of a tree. And uh, you're jumping from platform to platform. And the platforms feel like when you're playing with them, they feel like they're covered in some kind of slime. Because mm. Gomez manages to fall off them. Even if you're standing in the middle, you'll find a way to fall off. I tried as hard as I could to enjoy playing through the levels of this game. But uh, it's just kind of impossible. But if you want to just kind of look at a game and go, oh, doesn't that look great? I bet if it controlled well, it'd be awesome. Well, then the Adams Family. That was a game by Ocean. It was indeed, yeah. yeah. And, Ocean, and they were talking, yeah. They were talking about it in retro game. We're saying, "Oh, we just we were designing this game, and we thought, well, if only we could make a better version of Super Mario World." And I think we succeeded. I think you did. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, the other game I'm going to mention is just Cadillacs and dinosaurs in the arcade. Because uh, as Kyle points out to me, dinosaurs are scarier than zombies. Definitely. But. Uh, on top of that, uh, this game has a bit where, uh, I might have mentioned it before in a previous episode, where a dinosaur is being chopped up by like a cannibal or something. And uh, I remember as a child just being terrified of the fact that someone could, like, not so much that the dinosaur is scary, but there was a guy out there who was so mean that he could overpower a stegosaurus and start cutting it to pieces. Just butcher him, yeah. Yeah. There's a great satisfaction taking taking that guy's blade and sticking it in his head, but in saying that, I never got over the shock. You know. <laughs> uh huh. Wiggly. <laughs> Speaking of Adam's family, uh, I'll run down my TurboGrafx CD games, which are a little a little more extensive, I think, as far as Halloweeny type of titles. There was also an Adam's family that came out based on the movie as well that came out for the Turbo CD. And this was not made by Ocean. In fact, this this preceded the Ocean game, and I can't remember the developer off the top of my head right now. But you don't even get to be Gomez in this one. In fact, you're the uh, lawyer for the Adams Family or something, and you're, you're walking your way through the moat in the beginning. You're trying to jump over things, and it's an action platformer as well. You shoot electric bolts of lightning out of your umbrella, and uh, you turn into a Wolfman in some parts in case you're part of Team Wolfman. Uh, this would be good for you. You fight members of the Adams Family, so you do get to see Gomez. Uh, in fact, he uses a rapier, and you actually do a sword fight. It has very loose controls as well. And graphics is about as good as Keystone Capers uh, for the oh. yeah, Atari 2600. So and excellent then, surely. It, you know, it's just so bizarre since the gameplay is letterboxed, so you think you'd have more room for better graphics. But the only unique thing about the graphics is perhaps that since it's letterboxed, you actually have a movie theater audience that is at the bottom of your screen, sort of like um, Mystery Science Theater, except with a static audience down there. So, uh, you know, the developers took some time to try to do something, but when you're dealing with a license, not always the best. I think Fester's Quest was pretty good. I, th- I remember people saying Yeah, that. I, I enjoyed Fester's Quest for the NES when I was little, yeah. There was another one from Ocean on the SNES. Uh, it was Pugsley's Scavenger Hunt. Oh, right, right. That was definitely them anyway. Yeah. But, uh, was that another... like top-down or something? Yeah, I think it was, yeah. I think it was like a like Zelda on the Super Nintendo. Exactly like, like Zelda. That's what I heard. Yeah. Better than Zelda. They wanted Better to remake Zelda. Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> they were just they were looking at it and they were thinking, no, if only we could make Zelda, but if we were to crap it up a bit, Pugsley. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's lovely. So you probably don't want to pick that up. Another game that you probably do not want to get is 1989's Altered Beast. Um, <laughs> the only reason that you'd want this for your Turbo CD is for the cutscenes because. Even though this came out a year later than Alter Beast did on the Mega Drive, it really shows you that, and it was even made in connection with NEC Avenue, but it really shows you that when Sega tried to bring licensed game out for their competitors, 
they sort of wanted to ensure that it was not anywhere graphically near the capabilities of like the Genesis. That's arguable. We know that the TG-16 was actually just an 8-bit engine, but it had two 8-bit engines and it had a 16-bit graphic processor and things like this in line with it, at least uh, according to the propaganda that I was spread at the time when I would call the TurboGrafx hotline. And so you can see a lot of games that look better than a Genesis, like the Lords of Thunder, Gates of Thunder, and things like this. But definitely any of these Sega games that they brought over, only a little bit better than the Sega Master System. So, Altered Beast, the same. It, it looks like the Master System version, actually. So, that's probably what they did a ver- conversion of. Beyond Shadowgate it came out for the Super CD in 1993. Our buddy Kyle, I don't know if you know that guy, Kyle Von Kubik. He, oh, yeah, he might like this number. It is a point-and-click adventure. And I'd say the graphics and the main movements might be close to, like, Loom, if you remember that one, Loom. But the character heights are, and, and the character rendering and the whole the whole stages, they're about two times the height of like a Loom character. And for the most part, it's side-scrolling, uh, which is weird for a point-and-click adventure. Uh, you can walk into the backgrounds, you can walk into the foregrounds, but only when a path leads there. And you do have to walk. You have to walk across stretches of nothing going on on the screen, and it's poor man scrolling. So if you remember what that means back in the 16-bit age and the 8-bit age, it means that when you get to, when you get to the end of the right, then the screen goes black and the next stage loads, and then you walk from the left of that screen to the right of that screen. It doesn't keep up with you. The music is amusing, uh, probably only for its annoyance factor. There's one bit where you approach a minstrel, and he's on one of these, you know, old ukulele triangle guitars. I don't know what those are called. Um, anybody? Anybody? Minstrel guitars? Oof. Uh, no. No way. Okay. And he strums that, and when he strums it to play his song for you, it's a bass guitar and a hi-hat going on. <laughs> on this little ukulele. Uh, the voice acting is compressed. It's horrible. And it's compressed to 8-bit. It's not quite Fighting Street, but it's still odd for a CD game to have this horrible voice compression. I never had a Turbo CD. Does this game have anything to do with the Shadowgate from the NES? It is the follow-up to the original Shadowgate, which came out for the Mac. And uh, I don't know I if the NES... Not- yeah, I played the NES. I, I loved it. I didn't okay. beat it until I was a bit older, but I loved it. I never even knew they made a sequel to it. Yep, and it, as far as I know, it only came out for the Super CD on the uh, on the Turbo, which is bizarre. As we mentioned, Dracula X, Rondo of Blood, um, can't say enough good things about this one. The only thing I will say is I entered this as a code, a cheat code. Back, back in the day, I used to figure out cheat codes, and send them into different magazines like GamePro and uh, EGM and things like this. I've had a couple things like for Crater Maze, all the passwords, things you could figure out by just beating the game. So I would put in all the level passwords for like Crater Maze. But then I figured out some button presses and combinations for games like um, Download 2. And uh, one neat little trick I found out for Dracula X, which I was criticized for, it's not really a Easter egg or a hidden thing. And I'd say to them, bull puppy, because that's what we say on the show. Uh, if you put the Dracula X CD, which was a Super CD, into your standard TurboGrafx system without the Super CD card, if you didn't know, before the Duo came out, you had to put these Hue system cards into your system so that you can play a CD-ROM game or Super CD-ROM game or an arcade card game for Japanese systems only and things like this. They, they had their own system card that had to be in there in order to play them. And this was a Super CD system card game. So if you just had a regular system CD card uh, in, in your system and you put in a Dracula X, you would get this cutesy little uh, Dracula X where you are the main character there. And it was sort of like... Um, Splash Lake graphics. I, I don't know how else to explain it. Your little, like, um, like maybe balls. Remember balls for the Genesis and the, and the yeah, yeah. Maybe you were like them, and you were like little stick figure characters that were rendered like balls, where all your joints aren't connected. And you would hop around, and you could jump on a few enemies, and then you got to the princess. Very short. You got to the princess right away with this happy J-pop music going on, and uh, and then it would just say you need a super system card, but. I say that is an Easter egg because you actually played it. 
Yes, it was over in 10 seconds, but it was an actual little game in it and a little hidden thing. So I'll say that about that. Demon's World, also called Horror Story. It was also an arcade game by Taito. It's also a super CD game. This is an action platformer. It's force scrolling. It's also a shooter. You can double jump in it. It's chibi contra style with demons on tricycles and flying skeleton chickens. It's fairly flat looking and it looks a lot like maybe Jim Power mashed up with a Ghostbusters type of theme. You're not quite as chibi as the Genesis Ghostbusters though. Those guys were chibi. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I like that art as well. I love that art. I just would, yeah, if the control was there for that game, that would have been a fantastic game. Another game that would be classified a, a Halloween-y style game, it, definitely a B-movie type of game, is it came from the desert. That came out for a CD, and I've mentioned that I could not wait for this game to come out. Do yourself a favor. Play it on the Amiga. Do not buy it for the, the TurboGrafx CD. Or even play Dr. Franken for the Super Nintendo, which is nothing like this game. <laughs> oh, I remember that. Remember that? It was that- an action platformer and you'd go and search your, like, your body parts. Yeah, yeah. You were uh, you were Karloff kind of in it, weren't you? You were like the Karloff monster, right? Except you were chibi as well. You were very chibi. So yeah, yeah. yeah, it wasn't a bad game. But do not play It Came From the Desert for the TurboGrafx-16. It's terrible green screen digitization of horrible actors. For example, one of the main characters that you'll talk to a lot is a waitress. So there's this waitress in a, of course, pink waitress outfit with a little hat, I think, and an apron. And she's in a diner. Well... She's digitized. It looks horrible. She's like made out of two colors. And the backdrop that she's in front of is just a static picture of a guy sitting at the uh, diner bar. So it's just static. It's a photo of a diner and back of her. And then when it is actually the gameplay bits of It Came From The Desert, it's Atari 5200 at best, and you usually die immediately. So it's no sea of love. It's it's horrible, it's terrible, and it's poop. Shadow of the Beast also came out. Now, you could play this on like about a zillion other systems, and uh, you can play it on your TurboGrafx CD. Another game that doesn't get a lot of talk about is Shapeshifter from 1992. This was one of those other titles that came out around the same time as uh, Night Creatures did, except this is a, a Super CD game. The hero is a constantly blowing in the wind, long-haired blonde Tarzan. And the characters you interact with are animated so poorly that it will annoy you. It's supposed to be an action-adventure game. You start in a town. The townspeople just walk back and forth so fast that it's very annoying and you feel like you want to punch the townspeople. Um, the gameplay is a pure legendary axe and the final countdown ripoff. So it's the final countdown music <laughs> ripped off <laughs> and this poorly emulated legendary axe gameplay. Because you even have an axe and you swing it exactly the same. There's giant spiders. There's spiders that come down in webs from the forest. There's scorpions that you hit with the, the axe that shoot laser beams out of their stingers for some reason. Unnecessary voice acting happens as well. And yes, you do turn into some crappy animals like a panther, and then it's just as lousy a gameplay. It's a Flash game before Flash was even invented. If you want to play a game that's two or three steps above this, Mario Hotel for the CDI. <laughs> there you go. Oh, no. Yeah. The one that I will recommend outside of Dracula X, which is a no-brainer, if you can get a hold of Cotton Fantastic Night Dreams. This was a super CD game. It is also an arcade game, so you'll you'll probably be able to find that in the arcades if you go back in the time machine. Mm-hmm. It came out for the PlayStation as well and the Neo Geo Pocket. Same versions, Neo Geo Pocket. Looks great on the Neo Geo Pocket. This is a really cool story about a red-headed witch and her sexy pink-haired helper fairy. They're in search of their bonbons. They love to eat these things. And it's a horizontal shooter. You have special attacks that fill most of the screen. Parallax scrolling, with some levels being a few screen high. So you actually go up in some levels and down in some levels as well as just purely horizontal. Fantastic J-pop music off the CD if you like that. Other con games that also came out include Panorama Cotton for the Mega Drive, which was a purely sprite-driven first-person cotton shooter, very Space Harrier-like. 
Uh, very impressive graphics, I think, for the time. Uh, Cotton 100% came out for the Super Famicom, and this was very much like the Fantastic Night's Dreams, except that you also got a music CD when you got the Super Famicom version, which had a theme song for it with Cotton singing little comedy bits with Cotton interacting with her fairy friend. What was the name again? Cotton 100%. Oh, okay. Or as it said in Japanese, Cotton 100%o. <laughs> There's an O at the end? Yes. <laughs> okay. I have uh, to aim my uh, antenna towards Japan. So you, you might have to, but you won't get the music CD along with it. Two games, John, that I think that you're going to definitely love, and anyone that's a fan of horizontal shooters, Cotton 2 and Cotton Boomerang came out for the Sega Saturn. These are both arcade ports as well, which I think are graphically on par with the best of the Neo Geo shooters. Oh, okay. So Cotton 2, Cotton Boomerang, both purely horizontal shooters, more parallax, bigger sprites, more movement on screen, and just really gorgeous hand-drawn art. Rainbow Cotton came out for the Dreamcast, which brought back the first-person shooter style that the Mega Drive had with the Panorama Cotton. It was done with polygons, and the graphics are sort of like maybe knights on rails, though. And it's very loose control, so it's, it's sort of like... I don't know. It's sort of like a crappy first-person thing that is not very good. <laughs> uh, try Panorama Cotton. I think you'll get a, a much more enjoyment out of this. And because I recently went down the Pachinko Highway with my uh, Turbo, PS2, uh, Japanese import, of course, Magical Pachinko Cotton. And I think that's all the Cotton games that came out. But I'm a big fan of Cotton. I think it's a very intriguing character. You know, she's a little one-dimensional, but who cares? It's it's fun. She's always crying. And when she cries, she becomes, of course, a big-headed, chibi, crying, typical anime-style character. So, Cotton. Cotton says Halloween like Cotton, anyway. Definitely. Mm. Uh-huh. Thanks for adding so much, TT, to today's show. <laughs> Thanks for saving my, my uh, stitches from popping out, by the way. Uh, I think I, I lost a couple, but, you know, anything for the bobble. I can just bring up a few games that scared me when I was younger that I used to play. I remember Friday the 13th for the NES. I know it's been, it's been talked about a bit, but I can remember sitting in my friend's house, and we were determined to beat it, and every time Jason would pop on screen, we would jump out of our socks, you know, and... <laughs> I just remember walking home from his house, trying to stay calm and cool, and it was a bit dark out and windy, and I was walking, and then I was walking faster, and then all of a sudden I was running home for, you know, no apparent reason other than being scared out of my wits. I also liked Monster Party a lot when I was younger for the NES. Um, Looking back on it now, I don't know why I liked it so much. Maybe it was just the legs popping out of the ground that you got to hit with a baseball bat, and seeing the giant Venus flytrap in one of the doors. And I just remember it being a lot of fun when I was little and not so much now. (laughs) (laughs) The game Chiller for the NES was a light gun game. Oh, yeah. My my buddy and I used to drive for like 25 miles out of town to a 7-Eleven just to play this title. Oh, yeah. I used to rent it from the little family video store down the street from us when I was little for the NES. Okay. You know, shoot corpses climbing out of the graves and stuff and it was very gory for uh, an nes game very gory yeah you would shoot a rack and rip people in half hands came out from the graveyard like creature double featured shoot them i think i just liked it a lot when i was little because it reminded me of michael jackson's thriller video with all the zombies coming out of the graveyard and everything gotcha gotcha it was sort of like operation wolf except with smaller graphics and scary things Mm. Oh, that kind of ties into my last game, actually, um, with the uh, Michael Jackson zombie thing. I don't know if either of you have ever played a Splatterhouse Wanpaco Graffiti. This was a Famicom game, uh, obviously, for the Famicom. Yeah. But uh, it's Splatterhouse, kind of done in a kind of chibi style yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I think and we uh, talked about this a little bit before. Not much. Though. Maybe. It's, it's a really fun riff on the Splatterhouse series uh, it's obviously they don't go for the super serious gore that uh, you might get 
in uh, the regular Splatterhouse series. Everything is kind of small and cute, and zombies come up out of the ground, and they're purple and made out of like uh, they look like they're made out of uh, like mud and stuff. But the end of the first level, the first boss, a guy comes up out of the ground, and all the zombies dance with him in yep, uh, yep. that kind of thriller thing. And the second level, then there's like an exorcist boss where the girl's head spins backwards and then flies around the screen and whatever but there's great broken english in there as well uh, <laughs> when you get to the third level it just goes haha be cesspool of filth <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing it's awesome it's really good the art style is so cute it's really tight as well it's a very tight kind of game and you know all the kind of hallmarks of splatter so much as like you know you cut a monster and bits of them fly to the background that's all in there but it's just it's nes and kind of chibi and stuff and the end of it when you beat the game spoiler alert of course it's actually revealed the whole thing and much like alder beast the whole thing has just been a film your guy has been basically the lead in a little horror movie and stuff but it's worth tracking down it's all in english it's a game put out basically by namco but uh in, in uh cooperation with uh data east and that's why it says namcot at the beginning seems to me that data is that east what that means pretty, it is indeed wow new, new knowledge i never brought it, forth i've seen namcot on so many of my pc engine games i was like what the hell did they like make a mistake when they were typing Namco? Daddy East. Uh, wow. Yeah, Daddy East got screwed on that name, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. Why is it? It's like calling it Daddy Easto if it was if Daddy East was first. That's a great title. I, I really. It's sort of like a like a mighty final fight in that same vein. Or I, I even put it on a more funny scale, like with the Proteus. You know, the yeah, the, yeah. the Proteus, except with a side-scrolling action game. The chibi final fight really wasn't that funny. It was just cute. Yeah. And you can do all the same moves. Much like the uh, the Street Fighter. What was that called? Street Fighter chibi. Pocket Fighter. Pocket Fighter. That's it. Pocket Fighter. Right on. Hey, you know, TT uh, wanted to bring it up, but she doesn't play any video games. I was reminded when you talked about playing the Castlevania on your PSP. When I used to talk to my friends, as soon as they got Silent Hill for their original PlayStation, they told me that that was the scariest game they've ever played. After Resident Evil, I think the Silent Hill series took it up to the next level. And these are series of games by Konami. And I think the best scary type of games that you you can get for your PSP are the two Silent Hill games. Now, the Silent Hill Origins, I think, is on sale right now for the PlayStation Store. Of course, we had Tom Hewlett on to talk about Silent Hill Shattered Memories before the game launched, and that's another fantastic game for your PSP. Now, if you can get scared by watching a scary movie on your PSP, then I think you could get scared by these games. I don't know how scary it is, you know, to be alone in a room, maybe the smallest room in your house, I don't know, with the lights out and get scared by your PSP. But if you can, then I think that these Silent Hill games are the perfect scary type of video games because from go, they are laid out exactly like a horror movie. Uh, the, the opening credits happen and the music is amazing as far as horror movies go. That game, uh, the Shattered Memories, isn't it? That's a new uh, that one. That one in particular looks amazing. If I wasn't broke, <laughs> you best believe my Halloween might be, <laughs> you know, coming up, I'd be playing that game. Well, the Origins is very good as well. It's just that uh, some people complain about the play mechanics that you really do have to keep hitting, like, the left shift button to reorient yourself. At times, the camera gets in a way of that game, but if you just hit the left trigger the camera recenters right uh, in back of your character and it's all good so i think both of those titles are very strong and right now like i said for about a third of the price you can get origins if you like that then go on to shatter memories and that's where all the cell phone and the flashlight mechanics come into play which is uh, an added bonus so you have a flashlight in the first version it's just that it's clipped on to your suspenders or whatever <laughs> but you know it's very creepy when it opens up your truck driver and of course someone comes stumbling out of the woods and that's how the whole thing opens it plays just like a movie so um, I, I think it can have that horror factor in there all right what do we got next uh, tt and now the we talk games top three scariest game countdown okay very good wiggly's top three spookiest titles are 
Right, for mainly for the dogs that jump through the window, I think. Number two, Wolfenstein. Yeah, Wolfenstein, Wolfenstein, <laughs> either one. And once again, <laughs> you know, the, the, the dog sneaking up on you, the Octung guy sneaking up on you. We, and Hitler. And Hitler, exactly. Hitler's Ro- terrifying Hitler. in that game. He is. He's, I literally threw my iPod out the window when I was he's playing un- against He's unstoppable. <laughs> one of the other things we didn't mention is if you want to fight zombies, get any war-style game or third-person or first-person shooter on the new systems, and yeah. you could pretty much download the zombie pack, I'm sure. So oh, yeah. You do zombies that. everywhere. Yes. Zombies in the Wild West now. Right. With a Red Dead Redemption trying to get a friend of mine to rename his metal band uh, Redhead Redemption because he's a redheaded person. <laughs> but he won't do it. Uh-oh. On the number one, Alien versus Predator. Right. I think that scared more people in my... And those are strictly for shock value. I think that scared more people and made him poop. Oh, well, at least fart. Robo-Duke's oh. top three spookiest titles are... Oh, Robo-Duke. Number three, Condemned. Criminal Origins, 360. Oh, for the 360. <laughs> mm, I love the 360. <laughs> Me too. I think Condemned and Condemned 2, uh, both really great first-person games, um, reminds me so much of uh, one of my favorite Neo Geo games, the Super Spy. Well, let's face it. Every Neo Geo game is one of my favorites. So Super Spy, where you can actually punch and it's all first-person. You control your different limbs and things like this. And have a quite a terrifying uh, theme. Ever play any of those, Condemned? I haven't played the Condemned games, no. Oh, they're worth picking up. You could probably get them for like six bucks. I will get on that. How about you, John? No, never played them. Just, uh, I've seen the boxes. Yeah. Okay, very good. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the, the first and second Condemned, two different gameplay mechanics, so you don't really overlap with that. And the second story sort of picks up after the first one, but if you want to play a first-person style of game that has a bit different play mechanics to it, I say uh, picked up the Condemned. Number two, Resident Evil 2, PSX. Very popular with everyone here, I think. Oh, yeah. What made two better than one? The city, the, the fact that there was more maniacs involved in the story, I think. Oh, right, because it started out in the city, and you, you're like cop car crashes or whatever, and you start in that one store. It was just there was insanity involved, you know? Uh, when you're playing through, like, zombies and stuff are scary, although not as scary as dinosaurs, as Kyle would like me to point <laughs> out. Uh, like, you had to deal with uh, William Birkin and his wife and Chief Burns and... It was just insane, you know? There's only a little bit of that in Resident Evil 1. But on top of that, the atmosphere, the music, I mean, I've, I will have to turn that music off if it comes onto my iPod if I'm somewhere, you know? Because I will get scared just out of uh, reflex, you know? Gotcha. I'll be gotcha. there shopping for eggs or uh, perhaps some wheat bread. And uh, sure enough, on comes the front hall team, and I'm just like, oh, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> What's Robo Duke's number one? On the number one. Silent Hill, PSX. There you go. See? Very good. That is terrifying. Uh, What else we got, TT? Ricardo Mello's top three spookiest titles are... Oh, Ricardo. Number three, Resident Evil, PSX. Okay, so that's his number three. Very good. Number two, Mystic Defender, Floating Heads and Demon Babies. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. It's sort of like Shinobi of the Weird. Great Genesis title. I played that a lot when the Genesis was first launched. On the number one... Splatter House, at least scary enough for a 12-year-old at the time. <laughs> wow, okay, so you got scared by Splatter House. Love and- the Splatter House. The, the one part that scared me, and that was when you were in the train and everything started shaking and then the furniture started attacking you. Yeah. That, that was pretty creepy. Yeah, man, when you fight a candle and a chair, then you know a game is scary. <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> I had all the PC Engine fan, and there were like two or three Japanese magazines solely dedicated to the PC Engine at the time, and I would always get them, and I couldn't wait for the things I would see in there to come out two and three years later in the States. <laughs> and then when I would see this, I was like, wait a minute, he didn't have a red mask and things like that, then, you know, I'd get depressed. I don't think there's been a bad Splatterhouse game, even though some of the Genesis titles... The Genesis has seen the most releases, 2 and 3. Uh, 1, 2, and 3, actually, for the Genesis. Uh, the original Splatterhouse also ported to the FM Towns, which I like to play it on my FM Towns as well. All right, who's up next, GT? Kyle Von Kubik's top three spookiest titles are... Oh, Kubik's. <laughs> <Kubik's. laughs> <laughs> Manhunt. 
PS2, not really scary, but definitely creepy. I felt dirty playing it and never finished it. <laughs> Manhunt. <laughs> uh, Manhunt for the PS2. I never played that one. I know Manhunt 2 had a lot of controversy surrounding it. I guess that was fleshed out and they released it and no one really cared and they didn't buy it. <laughs> what was interesting was uh, they were going to, over in the UK, mm-hmm. uh, they were so worried about kids getting to play this game. They were actually going to make it so you could only buy it in licensed sex shops. Because uh, that's what, you know, to be definitely only adults in there. Like, right. Uh, yeah. Why? Right. I like to check out those manhunts. I remember Manhunter. That was like a two or three disc action game for the Dreamcast, but that's entirely not this game. Yeah. What was Cubic's number two, TT? Number two. Dino Crisis, because everyone else is <laughs> picking Resident Dino. Evil and it had the same kind of jump out scares. Yeah, that was really terrifying, especially when he ripped Barney to shreds. That was really... And then he had his way with Wilma. That was just awful. Um, yeah, no, Dino Crisis. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you know, Mr. Kubik is standing by his claim that dinosaurs are scarier than zombies. I think the first Resident Evil really did it for me, and I didn't want to ruin how I felt about the game, except Resident Evil 4. I played that uh, almost to the end, I think, so... Well, Dino Crisis, I remember when it came out, and uh, as Kyle was right, I was so terrified of dinosaurs that I just simply wasn't able to sit down and play it. <laughs> very good, very good. I'm going to have to revisit that. I doubt that that'll be re-released, though. And his number one, TT? On the number one, Clock Tower, Super Famicom. Oh, okay, Clock Tower for the Super Famicom. Wow. Yeah, I remember Clock Tower. I remember for a couple different systems, but I can't tell you what it's about. I don't recall. Oh, okay. I think it's about scissors. Yeah, scissors, scissors, man. All right. Who who else we got, TT? Johnny Capcom's top three spookiest titles are... Okay. Number three, Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. Okay, weird. We talked about that, though. Why? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But look, you'd be terrified if you were me. Yeah, okay? we would. And you know what? If you want to play a Final Fight-style game with dinosaurs or a Punisher, I think it's closer to Punisher. Except yeah, with dinosaurs. Guns yeah. in there. Yeah. So it's closer to that, but far enough away from Roar, I think, to, <laughs> to warrant a play. Number two, Resident Evil 2. All right. We touched on why that is uh, two's uh, scarier than one. Mm-hmm. What was your number one, John? Oh, that's TT. On the number one, Super Castlevania 4. Castlevania 4. Very good. Yeah, Castlevania. Well, it's not really a, a scary game. It's scary how good it is, you know? <laughs> and yet scary. everyone hates that one. Why? What's wrong with them? I love it. Yeah, that's what's scary. It's scary that people out there are freaking out going, you know, saying such illogical things as Castlevania 4 is bad. It's got the, the, the floppy whip, you know? The, the limp-wristed whip and the swinging from the whip. Yeah. And I the mean, Mode 7. I love it. It's awesome. I own the Super Famicom and the American version of that game. That's how much I like that title. And the music is incredible. Considering the, the platform, just the clean sound coming out of that system is just it's unbelievable. I can't recommend it enough. Konami does do some good music. Oh, they do. All right. And, uh, and who's last? Ken Deadly's top three spookiest titles are... Okay. Number three, Resident Evil 4. All right, and now you like that for the Wii or the the, the GameCube? Doesn't matter. Um, I li- I like them both, but I think the Wii is like the definitive version. Like I said, it's so much fun. Everybody needs to try it. Number two, Dead Space. All right, there's one we haven't talked about. Dead Space. That is scary, isn't it? Dead Space is very scary. Like uh, jump out at you, scary, mm-hmm. and you know just these big monsters that don't move like humans move so they're really creepy and it's tough to play that one at night stuff's just jumping out and scaring you it's but it's probably my favorite game of this generation of, of like hd games wow and it has very good character design as well like the character design's great there's there's no hud everything's built into your costume like you can see your power meter on the back of your costume and you can see your ammo right on the gun so it doesn't take you out of the game at all everything's right in the screen i don't know why but i, I get sort of of like a goth science fiction space 
type of feel from it. I don't know why I feel goth about it. I guess maybe because it's sort of like your costume is binding in places and things. Yeah, it definitely is very binding costume. It's it's a lot like Resident Evil 4, not mm-hmm. to bring that up again, but except you don't turn into a human turret when you want to shoot. You can actually run away from things and shoot at them or run toward them and shoot at them. You're not stuck in one spot. And the, the controls are really, really tight on it. I think it has like perfect controls, if you ask me. Very good, very good. And remember, in space, no one can hear you scream. No, they can't. All right, and what's our final last number one, Ken Dudley's number one scariest title? On the number one, Superman 64. (laughs) (laughs) That is a horrifying game. It scared me so much, I never touched my Nintendo 64 again. I'll tell you what's even scarier. Someone whose favorite game is Superman 64. (laughs) All right, Superman 64, the scariest title ever created for a game system. All in favor, say aye. 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 (laughs) That was like three-part harmony. (laughs) (laughs) Almost. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Johnny Capcom, Ken Dudley, and Wiggly. I'm Titi Schmoodkins. If you like what you hear, go to wetalkgames.com and become a member of that online community. Right on. Take care, everybody. Bye now. Bye-bye. Bye.